Hello and God bless you today from Carlsbad, New Mexico. You are listening to a broadcast of New Song Christian Fellowship. We hope you enjoy the message today, and we'd love to hear from you. If anything in this message has touched you, you have a prayer request, or just want to reach out, you can connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash New Song Carlsbad NM. You can also mail us at Post Office Box 761, Carlsbad, New Mexico, zip code 88221. Please enjoy this message and have a very blessed day. Which is your mind and your emotions and your will. Some scholars over the centuries have taken the spirit and soul and melded them together. And they believe they're one. But the Bible says you can split the spirit from the soul with the word of God. And you live in a body. And you live in a physical realm. In order to be able to motivate into this physical realm, you've got to have a body. That means you've got to have eyes. You've got to have ears. You've got to have the sense of taste and touch. You live in a physical realm. But I want to speak to you in the spirit. I want to say some words to you, and I want you to think about it. We are already dead. I died when Jesus died on the cross. I died with him. My sins, all of them, were put to death with him on the cross. The Bible says, he who knew no sin became sin for me. So we died with Jesus on the cross. And this guy, one guy spoke something really heavy spiritually years ago to me. He said, dead people can't sin. You got to think about that one for a long time. Listen to this. But I've also already been resurrected with him. We're going to look at it in a minute. All of these truths are gifts that God has given you. And they do not, any of them, come from following the law. I don't care how long your hair is. I don't care if you're wearing a dress or a pair of pants. I don't care what kind of food you eat. I don't care if you eat pig meat or not. Those things will not save you. One iota. Does God want us to follow the Ten Commandments? Of course. But you can't. Oh, you do pretty well most of the time, but you'll mess up. All of you in here covet from time to time. You get angry. You, someone hurts you and you don't want to forgive them. Now, I want you to look at verse 20. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. And here's the scripture. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate, now watch this, I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Did you get that? 
If you think that your salvation comes because you've been a good little boy or a good little girl, you're mistaken. And I get this in my office all the time when people come to see me for counseling that I don't know. I always ask them the same question. If you die, uh, God forbid, but if you died and your spirit left your body and you drifted up to the gates of heaven and you saw that it was locked and there was an angel there or maybe St. Peter, and he walked over to you and said, why should I let you in? What would you tell him? Now I get all kinds of answers. The one I get the most is, is well, I'm, I'm a good person. Everybody look at me. No, you're not. There's not a good person in here. Are you, are you getting it? Oh, you can be kind from time to time. You could be giving. You can care about other people when they're hurting. But consistently, day after day, you're not a good person. If you went and found the best person who ever lived, they're not good enough to get into heaven based on their own works and merits. Who's that sister in India that died not long ago? Mother Teresa. I understood she's one of the nicest, greatest people ever, but she wasn't good enough to get in there under her own merits. I want you to get this today. And I'm going to tell you something else. If you had already experienced all that God had for you, he would have already taken you home. Why do you think you're still here? The very fact that you are still here means that God has something else to show you, something else for you to experience, something else to happen in your life. Your God has plans for you, and they are glorious. Some of you are afraid of the plans of God. You would never stop to ask him, Lord, what is the calling you have on my life? And you do have a calling on your life. The fact is God still has things to show you. There are things yet to experience. And uh, there's more stuff going to happen to you. Good stuff. Amen? In 2005, the devil tried to kill me. And he did kill me. But they brought me back to life. (laughs) Satan couldn't kill me because God had not finished with me yet. You know, the doctor came out. They were bagging me in the back. I was coded. They coded. I mean, they got nurses, doctors from all over the hospital, ran down there. And one of the things I'll never forget is your love. I was told later that when I was in IC, that's when ICU was up on the third floor. And if you remember, right across the hall from the ICU was a little tiny waiting room. You probably couldn't get 15 people in there. They told me uh, later that they brought chairs and lined both sides of the hallway all the way down around the corner, around the second corner, and clear down to the elevator because I was in there. Now, I'm not bragging on me. In fact, I was flabbergasted when somebody told me that. I was told that those were the biggest crowds that they ever had waiting on somebody in ICU. I am, I don't know what to say except thank you. The doctor came in to my wife and said, you need to let him go. We need your permission to take him off the bag because 
even if he lives, he's not going to be much. How many of you were out at the mayor's prayer breakfast? Powerful speaker from Florida. They had a, a young boy. They had four sons, and one of them got meningitis, starvation to the brain, and and uh, the doctor came out and said, you, you need to let him die because he's going to be a vegetable. And he said, no, sir, we're going to stick with our son. And the boy was brain damaged and is. I don't know how old he is now. I think he's in his late 20s. Still can't talk much. But one day, he called his daddy Day. That's all he could get out, Day. One day the boy got frustrated. See, he had, enough, he had enough in his mind to know what was frustrating. He was frustrated. He knew he was different than everybody else. And he started wailing and he'd throw fits like that and run to his room and his dad ran down there and just folded him up in his arms. And, and the boy said, Day, I stupid, Day, I stupid. And a man who was a father held his son even tighter and said, son, you're not stupid. You're my son. I sent him a CD of mine. And I sent a little note. And I said, Chris, Rich, I mean, his name Rich Wilkerson, first cousin of David Wilkerson. In the note, I said, Rich, I said, I've had those times where I cried out and said, Day, God, Day, I stupid. Day, I stupid. Times, you know, when you mess up, some, sometimes you do it on purpose, sometimes you don't, but you mess up. And yet your God, your great God is always right there, right where you left him with his arms open wide. He wants to hold you and tell you it's okay. I've done a lot of stupid things in my life. I've been through a lot. The devil tried to kill me. My wife looked at that doctor and said, you're not, you're not going to pull the bag because there have been things prophesied over him that haven't come to pass yet. So they flew me to Lubbock. Every step of the way, the devil was trying to kill me. They didn't have a helicopter available, so they took me to the airport. There was a twin-engine air ambulance waiting for me. On the way out there in the ambulance, my intubation tube they were bagging me with sprung a leak. Just so happened that the head ENT in that ambulance was a Pentecostal Christian. He, was, he had his hands laid on me, praying for me, and he noticed the leak. And he said to the driver, he said, you turn this ambulance around, you go back to the hospital now. And they tried to argue with him. No, you do it now. So he did it. Went back to the hospital. They, they wheeled me back in there. Sure enough, I had a hole in the intubation tube. The doctor there said another 10 minutes, he'd have been dead. So they put another tube in. We went back to the, to the airport. Now, I weighed 311 pounds when that happened. 
When we got out there, it was a little twin engine, had a, a door that slid open, and there was a, a bed in there, two nurses, and the pilot got out of the plane and ran over and said, I'm not taking him anywhere. He's too big. He won't even get in the plane. And I mean, you know, Scott Gregory. Scott Gregory was a, a lot bigger than he is now. He went over to that pilot and he said, you're putting him in that plane or else. Yes, sir. He said they picked up my gurney, two of them. They walked over there and one of them held up one end and they said I just slid right down into that bed like a sardine. The two nurses hopped in, they shut the door and we took off. Got to Lubbock. They knew immediately what was wrong with me. And that doctor said, you got here just in time, another 30 minutes, there wouldn't have been anything we could do. The devil trying to kill me. Just... And he'll, he'll try to kill you. But God's not through with you yet. You think God wants you to start over? <laughs> Every Listen to me. All the things you've been through have been for your good. All things work together for good to those who love him and are the called according to his purpose. All things, Romans 8, 28. All things. Everybody say all things. And I don't care what it is, bad, good, or indifferent. God will take something bad and he'll turn it into gold. He will turn it into wisdom for you that you'll need later. He'll turn it into knowledge that you will need desperately later, either for yourself, someone in your family, or someone else that you're ministering to. One of the things the enemy does when you're going through these kinds of trials, he tries to get you to feel rejected, like nobody really cares if you live or die. How many of you have ever felt like that? Be honest. Yeah, nobody cares if you live or die. Well, I do. Just because people have rejected you is no indication that God is not going to use you mightily for his plans and his purpose. Every one of you are just as important as Billy Graham or Roberts or anybody else you want to name. The people that supported those great men's ministries, they could have not done what they did without those little people, if you want to call them that. The lady that was quite wealthy that followed Billy Graham around everywhere he went. She'd rent a motel room for two or three weeks before a crusade and she would fast in that room and pray and not leave for that crusade. He, she never told anybody. I don't know how he found out. Somebody went to him and told him. He found out. And you know what? He wept. He wept. I think I'd weep too. Every time a soul was brought into the kingdom because of Billy Graham's ministry. A record of it was put into that woman's heavenly record book. You getting me? They're keeping a, a log. If it's, I don't know if it's a videotape. You, you've heard of people that die and their life flashes before them. I believe that's true. And I believe God's got a record of everything, even the bad stuff. But he covers that in the blood, so... You can't quite read that part. But the good stuff. 
is there for everybody to see in his kingdom. And you know who the really great ones are? It's not, it's not the people on TV. I read an article, I think today or yesterday, about a TV minister. And the title of the article was, Why Do These Televangelists Need Such Fancy Jets? And this guy was sitting out in front of his $57 million jet. It's not like he didn't already have a jet. You know, God keeps a record of that too. And I'm not judging. Maybe he did need a jet. I don't have a jet. Would you like a jet? No? Okay. Well, they're expensive to operate. But you know who the great ones are in God's kingdom? There's, they're the ones who, listen to me, great, the great ones are the ones who have been with God. They've been through some stuff and God walked through it with them. When they get to the other side, God turns them into his mighty men and women of the Lord. Those are the great ones. They're the ones who have been with God. On their face, night and day, praying for someone else, interceding. And God has given you in this church the most powerful tool of intercession that the church has ever known and many of you don't even know it and you don't use it. It's called speaking in tongues. It is the tool of intercession that God gave you as a gift so that you could pray for people even when you didn't know how to pray. I remember one night God woke me up at 3 in the morning and said, John, there's a bad thing happening in Africa with one of my missionaries. I want you to get on your knees now and pray. I said, Lord, what's his name? You don't need to know his name. I said, Lord, I don't even know him. How should I pray? You pray in tongues. And on the side of my bed, praying in tongues. Now watch this. God speaking to God. God praying to God. Was it the right prayer? You better believe it. I never heard anything after that was over. I, didn't re- I looked in the papers for an article about a uh, missionary uh, almost dies. and ever- I, I, didn't, I don't know. But I know one thing. I let God use me, and he did. Maybe it was that missionary that went to that village in Africa, and the people there were pagans, and they, they worshipped uh, uh, rocks, and they worshipped pieces of wood, and, and uh, he, they didn't, wouldn't even talk to him. He lived right in the village with them. He set up a, a, a sanctuary out in the middle of the village. Logs laid down so they'd have a place to sit. He got him a, a podium like this. And every day at lunchtime, he'd go out there and preach the gospel. You know how many people came? None. And then when they saw him coming with his book, they'd get in their little houses and shut the door and they'd look, look between those wooden slats. What's he doing now? One day they got word that there is a lion, a lioness, a female lion, that was loose and was killing people. And they were already out of their mind with fear. And he went out there at lunch, started preaching. Suddenly he, he heard screaming. And he looked down the road, which, which went right by, by his little podium, the road. He looked down the road and here was that female lion walking ever so slowly, jauntering up toward the village. Who am I going to kill today? He said there wasn't a cloud in the sky. It was a beautiful, sunny day. 
And he said, I looked up that line and I got mad. And he said, Lion, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. And he said, a bolt of lightning came down out of a, a cloudless sky and hit that lion right in the back of the head and she fell dead in the road. True story. Next day, when he went out to have a, a service, guess how many showed up? Everybody. <laughs> what do you think these miracles are for? So you can be a hot dog? No. They draw people to the living God. When Jesus stepped over in front of the grave of Lazarus, the tomb, and he told him to roll a stone away. Oh, are you crazy? He's dead. He's been dead for four days. By now, he stinketh. That's King James. He stinketh. He said, obey me. Roll the stone back. Lazarus! And he had to say Lazarus. Or everybody that had ever died would have come forth. Lazarus, come forth! That pregnant moment. Nothing's happening. The door of the tomb is empty. By that time, hundreds had gathered. They're watching him. They're looking at the door of the tomb. They're watching him. They're looking at Martha, the, the Lazarus' sister. They're, they're looking, they're looking. And suddenly, there's a stirring. And there in the door was he who had been dead. Wrapped tightly in linen. You see, that's what they did back then. They didn't have embalming. They still don't use it today, by the way. Jews bury their dead within 24 hours. He, he stepped in the door. It took him a while to get from where they laid him to the door because he was walking like this. He was alive. Now, he hadn't been resurrected. He just had been brought back to life. I know that because he died again. Only one person has ever been resurrected. And that's really what I wanted to talk to you about today. Jesus. He, but listen, the Bible said he was the first fruit among many. You also are going to be resurrected. Let me tell you something. Don't ever confuse excitement with power. Some of the greatest Power, power incidents I've had in my life, I didn't feel anything. In fact, if I felt something, it was probably fear. But I've watched God literally do things that would blow your mind. I think of that lady in Ireland, 75 years old. We were invited to her home. I did, we were all in the living room and I preached a message. And uh, she, she was about this tall. You know, I had to see her. She was a joy. She ran over and grabbed my hand and said, come with me. She drugged me in the kitchen and locked the door. She was all excited and shaking. I said, what's wrong? She said, I've never seen you in my life. But she said, when you walked in my house tonight, I saw a vision. I saw tens of thousands of demons get up out of this house and run out my door, and they ran down the street screaming for their lives. Now, you, you can let that go to your head. But you better not. He gets the glory. That same meeting, a year, one year to the day, I was in that same town in, in Ireland. And I prophesied over a, a black lady. Her and her husband were involved in the oil field out in the, out in the sea, in the ocean. They had a little girl. And uh, we were at a meeting and 
I, I pulled her aside and I said, have you been praying about having more children? And she started jumping up and down. You know, like, yeah, why? Well, I think I have a word for you. Really? Really what? She, she said, because the doctor told me I can't have any more kids. This, this is my last one. I only have one, my daughter. And I, we wanted more. Well, tell me what he's saying. I said, you're going to have a son within a year from now. She went nuts. She jumped over a table, literally filled with food, ran around that room four or five times screaming, hallelujah, hallelujah. So went home, didn't think much about it. One year later to the day, I was in that lady's home, and I looked up out the window, and the guy drove in. It was her husband and her daughter, their daughter. They got out of the car, and they came in, and, and when the meeting was over, I went over, and I said, Where, where's your wife? Oh, he, they didn't tell you? She's in the hospital. We had a son yesterday. God's good, isn't he? <laughs> There's another time in the Bible when Paul, you know, Paul was a brilliant man, but he could also be boring. A lot of times brilliant people use big words and you can't really understand what they're saying. And, and he's in a meeting one night and he's preaching into the late hours and there's a, there's a young man three stories up sitting in a windowsill and he's nodding off. Three floors up, mind you. And he falls asleep and he goes down and hits the floor and he's dead. Paul goes over and says, don't worry, he's not dead laid hands on him and prayed for him, and, and he raised him up. Think about that. You see, Paul could be exciting, but he could also be boring. And, and you can be boring too, and so can John. You put a lot of pressure on people who minister to you. Did you know that? You better perform, or I can get my family and go down the street to another church. There's 65 churches in Carlsbad. I love you. Um, my mind just escaped. Uh, a lady that just moved back from California or uh, from Oklahoma, Michelle Kennedy. She she said, "Yeah, there you are. Did you tell me that about you were trying to find a church? And what did you find out there? What do you mean?" So, and that was her. That was her experience in Oklahoma, trying to find a church. That's why I'm so proud of you guys because you you know what a family's all about. You don't mind loving on somebody that you've only seen one time. I'm so proud of you. I can't tell you. You know, Paul's a very important figure in the Bible. Without him, we are we wouldn't understand. Things like, we're supposed to be bearing offspring. What is offspring? It's the fruit of the Spirit. There are nine fruits of the Spirit, and you're supposed to be bearing or giving birth to those fruits in your life. That's one of the things that Paul taught us. Paul taught us that the gifts of the Spirit 
are for today and the gifts. He's taught us how to use them and what they're for and why they're important. Paul taught us not only about the gifts, but he taught us about the deeper things of God. I want you to look at 1 Corinthians quickly, chapter 15, verse 51. Please forgive my voice. <clears throat> Unfortunately, that was one of the leftovers of dying in 2005, but we're going to get a victory over that too. <clears throat> First Corinthians 15, 51, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep or die, but we will all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. Almighty God. You know what will happen when you get uh, taken off this planet by the Lord? Your spirit is going to go up and if you're already dead, your spirit's with him. Your body's in the ground. Your body's going to come out of the ground and your spirit's going to, they're going to meet about halfway and God's going to, he's not only going to raise up your body, but he's going to change your body. He's going to glorify it. He's going to give you a body that's able to fly. You walk through walls, you don't need doors anymore. you, You have no idea what God has prepared for you that love him. It's unbelievable. That's one of the things that Paul found out. Before God got a hold of Paul, he was killing people, loved it. He was an insurgent. He was a killer. He was, he was a, he just a bad guy. He held their coats while they stoned Stephen to death, the very first Christian martyr. Got a kick out of it, laughed about it. But he didn't know what the real power was all about until the day that he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. Jesus knocked him off of his horse. And said, why are you doing this to me? What have I done to you? He had a real experience that day. It was an experience that caused him to go out into the wilderness and stay out there for three years. You know what he was doing? He was searching for God. Thirteen of the books in the New Testament were written by him. Thank God for Paul. Look at what God's done in your life. For some of you, God snatched you out of the life you were living. He, he, he took you, pornography out of your life, drugs, booze, uh, sex, filth, corruption. And God had to raise you up and shut the devil's mouth. He had to cast demons out of you and fill you with the Holy Ghost and impart unto you the gifts of the Spirit. Those are what the things are that God did for you. He made you clean, and you are, you are clean indeed. Oh, just think about it. The day that I gave my heart to the Lord, I had long hair, selling drugs, idiot. I said, Lord, don't you want me to cut my hair and clean up my act? And I'll never forget what he, the first thing God ever spoke to me. He said, and I quote, I'll take you just like you are. Paul wasn't there when they crucified Jesus. He wasn't there spiritually or physically. 
But here's what he said. I want to read the first scripture. You don't need to turn there. The first scripture again, Galatians 2.20. He didn't see it, but here's what he said about it. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul hated Christians even during the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus. He he hated them. But aren't you glad God had a plan for his life? Aren't you glad that God's got a plan for your life? I had no idea. I was not raised in a Christian home. Oh, my dad would say something once in a while about believing in God. And he even once in a while prayed for our meal at the table. But we never one time ever set foot in a church. I didn't even know there was a God. And if, even if there was, what did that have to do with me? I had no recollection that he, he might want to use me in some capacity. Doesn't really matter what you think or what I think. God, listen to me, God chose you. Doesn't matter what your parents think, God chose you. It doesn't really matter what you think, God chose you. And isn't it amazing how God would dare to choose whomever he wants without our approval? Now, God, if you're going to do something, you'll have to ask me first. No, he doesn't. When Paul said he was crucified with Christ, what he meant was his old man and the the ways of his old man were put to death on the cross. His sins had been erased and he had become a new creature. Some of you women in here, no doubt, I don't know this, but no doubt some of you ladies have had an abortion. Listen to me, look at me, all of you. There's forgiveness. There's forgiveness. You need to get a hold of it. You know, we're too busy talking about how horrible it is, and, and it is, and, and, and being judgmental. But ladies, I understand sometimes ladies get in a trap. They get in a trap by a smooth-talking man who really doesn't care about them. They get in a trap. They get pregnant. Then they're trying to figure out how in the world am I going to, I can't do this. There's no way I can do this. And so they're forced by their circumstances to do something even they abhor. They don't want to do it. There's forgiveness. God knows. God understands. And I'm not giving you permission to do it. I'm just telling you, if you go to him, he'll forgive you. But no doubt some of you ladies that when you get to heaven, you'll look at God and you'll say, but, but God, how, how could you love me? Don't you remember what I did back in 1985? And he's going to say, what are you talking about? Oh, you know the abortion. What abortion? The Bible says he removes your sin away from him as far as the east is from the west. That means he doesn't remember them anymore. That means you are free, and that means you are clean. Look at somebody say, I'm clean. Say this, I'm white as snow, because you are. You know what this miracle was called? It's called a miracle of substitution. Everything that was supposed to happen to you, God substituted himself and his only son in your place. 
In that movie, The Passion of the Christ, when they were beating him beyond recognition, you couldn't even tell who he was when they got through stripping pieces of flesh off of his body. Jammed a crown of thorns on his head, and he bled from seven different wounds in his body. Those were things that were supposed to have been done to you. He took your place. He substituted I used to be a substitute teacher. There were, there were advantages to that because I didn't have to go back to that school the next day if I didn't want to. You sign a contract, you're stuck. But God was your substitute. Paul says, I, I am crucified with Christ. That means that this former murderer, this terrorist says that all the wickedness he has done has been resolved through his identification with the, his Redeemer. And he has connected with him by faith, not by physical touch, but by faith. Not because he eats pork, or he doesn't eat pork, or he doesn't wear the right kind of clothes, or he doesn't cut his hair right, or he has a beard or a mustache, or he doesn't. It doesn't have anything to do with that. It doesn't even have anything to do with what church you go to. When are we going to get off of this stuff? Well, I'm a Protestant. I'm a Catholic. Well, I know the... Pope personally, well, good for you. But the question is, do you know him? Do you know him? He is your God. You remember the story of the prodigal son? The man had two sons. One of them was devoted to his dad. He went out every day and worked the fields. And the other son, he, he thought he was wasting his life doing that. So he, he wanted to, Dad to just give me my inheritance now because I'm leaving. I don't want to do this anymore. So the Bible says he went out and he got involved in what the Bible calls riotous living, whatever that means, getting drunk, women, whatever. Now, the day came when he ran out of money and he came to his senses and he thought, what have I done? What have I been doing? And so he didn't know what else to do. He, went, he made his way back home to his dad. And his dad saw him coming. And he yelled at the men, go and get the fatted calf. Bring me a robe and a ring. And, and when the son came, he wrapped a robe around him and put a ring on his finger. And they, they killed the fatted calf and they had a big party. And the other son, you know what he was doing? He was mad. Goes to his dad, how, how can you even do this? I've stayed here and worked myself to the bone. And he's been out drinking and being with women. And, <laughs> and his dad said, you don't understand. He who had been lost has been found. It's kind of the way God feels about you. We're not told the rest of that story. We don't really know how it worked out. But you know what I think? I think that dad probably had a big surprise for the good son that stayed home. I don't know what it was. But surely, you know, how many of you know that in heaven there are rewards? Now, it has nothing to do with uh, if you're a hot dog or, you know. But let me put it to you this way. Some of you in heaven are going to live in big houses and some of you are going to live in little houses down by the river. 
And I don't know what that means. I just know that there are rewards. For Do you know that there are people who've literally, literally given their lives for the Lord? I think back to the 1200s, 1300s, when they were burning Christians at the stake. Nero, who was a, a wild, crazy emperor of Rome, would invite his friends over at night for a big party. Well, they needed lights, and they didn't have light switches, and so they'd take Christians, put them up on a post, douse them with whale oil or something, and light them on fire while they were alive. That's the lighting that he provided for his dinner guests. And then they'd go to the Colosseum, and they'd bring the lions out that they purposely had not fed for a week and throw a few Christians out there. And the crowd would roar and, and yell and they'd scream with excitement as a lion would knock one of these Christians down and feed on it or a child. So if you think you've gone through something as a Christian, think again. I get like that once in a while, but feeling sorry for myself. Well, Lord, don't you know what I've been through? <laughs> I know what God's done too, and He's a good God. God took me and made me into a brand new creature. And He didn't ask my permission to do it either. I'm just glad that He did. Don't you love Him? Thank you, my God. John, turn out the lights for me a minute. Just be real still. I've got one that let you out early. Thank you. I want to ask this question. If you're here this morning and you're not sure, absolutely 100% sure, that if you died right now, you'd go to heaven. Is there anybody in here that would raise your hand and say, I'm not sure? This might be your last chance. Where are you? The Lord told me there was one. Where are you? If you're here this morning and you've got to hear from God, you need a word from Him. I want you to get up here right now and line up right across here. It might just be two or three of you. I don't know, but come quickly. Come quickly. And I need a couple of men, please. A couple of men to come and stand behind him. Craig, would you help me? And Terry. You need a word from God. What's your first name? Veronica, the Lord says, mean it this time. Mean it. And he says, stay with me. 
I will not desert you. You stay with me. You follow after me and I will give you the happiness that you thought you had lost forever. It's just there, just there in your reach. But stay with me, the Lord says. Does this mean anything to you? Yeah. Just keep praying. Fire and you get you. There's supposed to be somebody else up here too. I don't know who you are, but you better get up here. The Lord sees your hearts. Yeah, he sees. He knows about the pain. He knows. But he says, I have Philip with me. And you know that. And that can never be stolen from you. No one can ever take that away from you. The Lord says, I don't want you to worry about why it happened. I don't want you to be filled with anger or frustration or fear. I want you to lay that at my feet and trust me. And know that he is in a safe place. And I will guard him and protect him. And you will see him again. And never be separated again. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, my Jesus. Brenda, I speak life and healing over your body, top of your head, the bottom of your feet. Jesus. The Lord said, I want you to be happy in me. I'm going to cause you to, to share in the gift of laughter. It will come out of you at times when you won't even understand why. But joy is going to come out of you and spread over others. And they will be brought back to a joyful place. When they thought they'd lost their joy and they thought they lost their happiness, they will come by you and they will find it again. Jesus' name. It's a gift. Jesus' name. Debbie, be healed in Jesus' name. Totally, top to bottom. Just trust God and know that he's, he's aware of what you're going through. And this, is going to, this coming year, 2020, is going to be your year. Just watch and see. What's your name?
backwards is just relax in him, rest in him. Don't get in a hurry. You're, you're right on schedule. God's pleased with you. Keep doing what you're doing. Make sure that you're following after him, not another voice. Right? And he will bless that and honor that in your life. Let's go solo. Let's go solo. Chris, I just pray for you in Jesus' name. I ask that the Lord will bless you and heal you and touch you. You and Ken, I just pray that 2020 is going to be a breakthrough year for you guys, for your, for your kids. Lots of happiness, lots of joy, lots of prosperity. Lord, I'm asking for that in Jesus' name. You know that they love you, Lord. And they have been protectors of other people's lives. And now I'm asking you to do that for them. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Charles, the Lord says, just keep doing what you're doing. You're doing exactly what he wants you to do. Just don't, don't try to speed it up. Just go just like you are. And he's going to show you what he wants you to do. Right now, you're doing it. He wants you to be a servant right now. That may change later. Right now, you are a servant. You say, who, who do I serve? Whoever God sends you to. You're doing that already. You're a servant to that lady right over there. You're a servant to me and you're a servant to Liz. Keep doing that. And God's going to bless you. All right. You, might, you all know that they lost Philip, their son, but David's brother, Russell, died a month later, uh, just recently. So they've really, really been through it. I'm going to ask uh, if you, everybody look at me, if you would be willing to put their names in a book somewhere where you'll remember it, to pray for them every day for two months, I want you to raise your hand. It's, I'm asking you, it's a burden. Okay, thank you. Write that down because they're hurting. There's questions that they have that, that have not been answered and maybe not ever will be answered. They know where Philip is, but they're hurting. Everybody understand? This lady right here just joined our church. She's going to need guidance. Uh, some of you ladies, she's going to need a sister. She's going to need a mom. She's going to need somebody that will love on her. Okay, you may be seated. Turn on the lights, John. I want all of you to know how much I love you and how special you are. And I, I, you know, I brag on this church all the time, everywhere I go. In all my life, I've been in many churches, been an elder, pastor, and this is the best church 
as far as a family is concerned I've ever been in. I mean that sincerely. Uh, there's more love in this church. Isn't that right, Craig? There's more love in this church than anywhere I've ever been. That's why Michelle tells you she goes to another state and city and they don't even recognize that she walked in the building. And she began to realize what you had, didn't you? And she's back now, by the way. Welcome. So, let's pray and I'm going to let you go. Father, thank you for this church, these wonderful people, these family people. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to ask, Lord, that your spirit will fall upon us just like on the day of Pentecost when a ball of fire appeared over their heads and a tongue of fire reached down and touched everyone in the room. And the Bible says they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and spoken tongues. That wasn't just the 12 disciples. It was 120 men, women, and children. As we go today, I ask that your spirit will go with us. Keep us safe. Keep us happy. And keep us productive. In Jesus' name, everybody said. All right, hug, hug two people before you go. I love you. This has been a broadcast of New Song Christian Fellowship. Thank you for joining us today. If you wish to partner with us and support this ministry, you can give online at newsongcarlsbad.churchcenter.com forward slash giving. Your gift is tax deductible. Please share this broadcast with your friends and neighbors and help us spread the good news of Jesus Christ all across the globe. May the Lord richly bless you.